0: Oh, you're right. Gosh, we're both idiots. Mostly me, because you know what you were talking about. You just like said it very wrong. I thought I knew what I was talking about, and I'm just stupid. Hey, everyone my name is Nick
1: and my name's Kat thanks for listening to our podcast made for you and me an entertaining and educational podcast on the history geology wildlife and other fun facts within America's best idea the national parks and if you just heard the slightest little clink it was Nick putting
0: it the was headphones me. down I was making yeah noise. I'll he was, was trying to be very quiet sorry <laughs> uh, but we're back
1: tink tink hey everyone we
0: missed you And you missed us.
1: (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully Uh, you didn't forget about us.
0: Yeah, hopefully not. I tried to stay like, you know, doing some stuff on Instagram and we put out a trailer, but...
1: I went to a witch doctor and asked to be putting all of your
0: dreams. Perfect. It worked. (laughs) So weird. Well, Kat, I... Like, we obviously have a lot to update our listeners on, Mm. but you have a lot to update me on because we went like three weeks without seeing each other, which is a a long time for us. Yeah,
1: if it weren't for you picking me up and taking
0: me to the airport, like, it would have been longer. It really would have been, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But, I mean, we've spoken a little since, um, like, obviously before, getting together right now to uh, record our first episode of season three, but tell me everything.
1: Everything, right now. Right now.
0: Three weeks worth
1: of information. Basically, um... Uh, I went across the country Mm -hmm. and back and, um, I got sciatica in my back and I think I found my favorite new restaurant and that's pretty much it. Okay. Um,
0: very diverse list you got there. Thanks. I was going for that. Things that you did. But what did you do? Oh, what did I do? Archery. I mean, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I, um, joined an archery league. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is like, which is very amazing. Um, I started taking tennis lessons. But
1: all things to do with the arms. Is there a reason for this? No, no. I okay. Just you wanted just... to
0: be active and gotcha. like learn new things. Um, what else? Um, oh, we went back to the office full time, mm. which I am not a fan of. I'm gonna be like polite and civil and kind, especially since my boss might be listening to this one day. But like, I just and. Mm. I'm I'm not cut out any longer for working in an office.
1: Well, more importantly, how is
0: Cooper doing? Cooper is doing... Thank you so much for bringing that up. Okay, two minutes and 34 seconds in, we got Cooper. He is doing so <laughs> well. He is just... He's living his absolute best life, thriving. We're on the beach all the time. Um, he's just... He's, he's, he's great. You know, not affected... He- Always has a tennis ball. Always, always has a tennis ball. We go on a walk, tennis ball. Obviously, we play fetch, tennis ball. But just, like, in the backyard, tennis ball is right there beside him. He's doing so well. Yeah, he's thriving. Um, Our walks are shorter because it's so hot. But homeboy has nothing to complain about. His life is perfect. I feel the
1: same way about my fiancé.
0: He and Cooper actually have a lot in common. Yeah,
1: well, mostly that they're, like, irresistibly
0: lovable yeah sweet boys the sweetest boys yeah, and you got to keep an eye on them <laughs> <laughs> you never know what they're gonna run off to <laughs> with that tennis ball oh gosh um but yeah we're so happy to be back i'm happy to, to you know be seeing cat in person and yes. we're happy to be recording some new episodes this is thrilling invigorating enlightening <laughs> I give up. <laughs> I don't know I, don't know I was like, uh, oh, guys, I hope she doesn't say Enthralling more,
1: would be the next one, oh, I guess. Yeah. a good one.
0: Yeah. Um, well, Kat. Yes. I got a question for you. I have an answer for you. What is an unpopular opinion you have? This was so
1: easy for me. Okay. And it's really timely, actually. Um, I don't like two things that I feel make me ostracized especially in july i don't like watermelon
0: really i
1: don't like watermelon. oh i
0: did not know that's so unpopular how I, curious i
1: will eat it it's so unpopular just so i don't have to hear people like i've heard it for 32 years now i don't care like uh, I, so i'll I just love eat it
0: watermelon
1: everyone does i i know You're i asked for that I also
0: don't like fireworks, which we have talked about yes. in, in previous. So Fourth of July is like not my holiday. Yeah, um, I love. I've always really liked fireworks, but now Cooper does not like fireworks oh, yes. or thunder, so I have to take his side in it and also not be a fan of fireworks.
1: That's what I was doing from the beginning was taking the dog's side. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're from just way very ahead young of us. Age, Thank I just you. Knew.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so <laughs> I, I. I, I mean, I feel. I mean, you know, you can't help what you like and don't like. You don't like watermelon. I hate that for you, but you answered the question. I did. Sicko. I answered it.
1: <laughs> I'll ask you at some point what yours are. Oh, I got so many. But for now, <laughs> yes. Um, what would be the title of your memoir?
0: Um. So, working title would probably be. The more time I spend with people, the more I like my dog. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um I don't know. Just I I feel like I have the soul of a 75-year-old man at times, just going to bed early, having a lot of alone time, and also just like people work my nerves. <laughs> and I would just rather be at home with my dog.
1: Yeah, no. I think that's <laughs> quite understandable and especially you know, if you felt an inkling of that way, and then we just had a year where we didn't have to really deal with people face to face, and you're going back uh, to it, I can understand why that's on the forefront. It took
0: off. Yeah. Well, Kat, without further ado, let's talk about Everglades. Let's
1: go to Florida!
0: <laughs> yeah, let's go to Florida. If it wasn't hot enough here in the armpit of North Carolina, <laughs> we're going to go to Florida. Let's talk about Everglades, Everglades. National Park! <laughs> We're here for you, Everglades. We're here for you, even if you're not here for us.
1: Yeah, even if you are in the gallbladder of the United States, it's okay. <laughs>
0: Ugh, like, after doing some research on you, I love you and respect you and want the best for you, but cannot say, strictly because of weather conditions, I cannot say that you're on the top of my list.
1: Well, you had it on your list for places to go for Christmas, right? Uh, yes, Yeah. So because,
0: and we'll talk about that, mm-hmm. um, because it's such a temperate mm-hmm. area, Most people in the country probably find it very, very pleasant. But uh, this time of year, hot and sticky. That upper lip is going to be glistening your whole visit long.
1: Yeah, I saw a lot less people on the webcam than I did last time I checked Uh, that out. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, that checks out. Um, So Everglades National Park is located at the very bottom of Florida. It's actually mostly water. Mm -hmm. We haven't done a water park. No. Have we? Um, It's mostly water. Uh, It's the 10th largest American national park at 1.4 million acres. It has around a million visitors each year and it was created in 1934. So this park is. Mostly, I feel like cat was in heaven doing this park because this has a lot going on plants and animals wise and is mainly the reason it exists. So I'll try to keep my part of the episode relatively short. Um, obviously, you know, the history, the human history and uh, kind of the background of the park is, important always but i think like the main course is going to be what cat talks about today uh, so it's the largest subtropical wilderness in the united states and it protects many rare and endangered species in the area and the park itself is extremely fragile humans have lived for thousands of years in or around the everglades uh, and then plans arose in throw it back girl she's finishing a coat Plans arose in 1882 to drain the wetlands and develop the land for agricultural and residential use. People came in and they were like, ooh, this is cool. Tear it up. Uh, So as the 20th century progressed, water flow from Lake Okeechobee was increasingly controlled and diverted to support the explosive growth of southern Florida. And in response, the park was established in 1934 to protect the quickly vanishing Everglades. And then it was dedicated in 1947 um, because major or as major canal building projects were initiated across southern Florida. The ecosystems in the Everglades have suffered significantly from human activity, and restoration of the Everglades is a politically charged issue in southern Florida to this day. I'm glad that you're being the bummer right now. And I know. i, don't have to be it later. <laughs> I was seeing the same thing. So, Everglades, I mean, obviously, you probably have Googled it if you haven't been there already, but it's just a picture of endless, I say just, it's a picture of endless marsh. Mm hmm. Uh, I mean, the, like, diversity and maybe, like, the beauty of, like, an actual photo. There's not going to be too much to look at in a photo, but there is a lot going on, literally, beneath the surface. It's a coastal wetland where river meets sea. The Everglades are made up of about 10,000 tiny marsh islands of sawgrass, mangrove, and cypress trees that host an unbelievable ecosystem. So Everglades is actually a catch-all term for something that refers to many different ecosystems in one place and it used to be a lot bigger. It once stretched more than 200 miles all the way from the Kissimmee River in Orlando south past Lake Okeechobee to the state's southernmost tip and then um, out at the Gulf of Mexico. But today the National Park preserves just 20% of that area and cities, suburbs, agricultural land surround all of it. But the preserved glades are as insanely wild as it gets. It has crocodiles, alligators, the Florida panther, manatees, a vast number of flora and fauna, invasive species of all sorts, and of course, birds. 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 Loads of birds, like everywhere else, but this place actually has some pretty cool birds. So it's fragile and always changing. Uh, It's also a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and it's under threat of real inundation as sea levels rise. It's also being threatened by large uh, blooms of algae that are probably caused by agriculture runoff, uh, which has been devastating in recent years. The glades are also a premier dark sky zone and a sanctuary, like we said, for migratory birds and raptors. So there are two main seasons in Everglades, wet and dry, but even dry is still wet. Wet is just really wet. <laughs> so from April to October, it's so hot and humid that even short excursions can be draining, and some park facilities such as Flamingo Visitor Center are staffed only intermittently. During this time of year, visitors find themselves wiping masses of mosquitoes off their arms and sweating through their shirts. The upside to going to this to going to the park during this time of year is that there are fewer crowds in these months. And then dry season, which is from November to March, can be more manageable and mild. But whatever the season, pack bug spray, sunscreen, even netting for bugs, and be prepared for rain. Yum. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Most visitors explore 28 miles of designated hiking trails, and there are two self-guided boardwalks where you can look for wildlife. One has a two-story overlook and the other takes you through dense forest in the middle of a freshwater prairie. Bicycle and tram are other popular ways to explore the park and you can take a boat tour or rent a kayak or canoe. Portions of the trails may be impassable depending on the time of year because of mosquitoes and water levels. Can you imagine? Okay, Yum. so, like, there are plenty of, of parks and trails uh, in other parts of the country, like, specific, like, the Montana, like, the central Colorado. Uh, Utah. Utah, Wyoming. Like, places where, like, there are bears and, like, big, like, you know. Boulders. Crazy things. things. yes. That close areas of the park and trails. But can you imagine, like, arriving somewhere and the trails are a, uh, what do they call themselves? <laughs> Rangers is like, oh, this trail's closed because there are mosquitoes. Because there are just swarms of that is that gives me the heebie jeebies. That
1: kind of happened to me when I went to Salt Lake. All the flies, uh, the noceums uh, had yeah. hatched the night before. And Sick. it was, yeah, I'm not even going to describe it to you, but yeah. And so, okay, you mentioned that like we could go visit a different park or monument or whatever a national park during that time but also people drained that land to live there yeah they wanted to be picked up and carried away by mosquitoes that's like
0: what their goal was i'm sure so weird um we're going to talk a little more about human history and why people came to preserve it but i'm like why were people wanting to destroy it to be there in the first place
1: i mean there was so much land north to so just much, live there. so much. Like, like, but just they were like, "We want to be
0: in the swamp. I want to be in it. I want to be like next door neighbors with an alligator. I want millions of mosquito bites daily. Like, what? If my parking space ain't a boat, <laughs> I don't want to be there. <laughs> just like, I don't, I don't get it. I cannot empathize or sympathize with, with like people who wanted to develop land there. It's like it's crazy to me." But anyway, um, yeah, so portions of trails might be impassable depending on the amount of mosquitoes. And then ranger-led tours um, also take place only in the busier season. So upside of going whenever, you know, you're going to be sweating through your shirt every five minutes is that there's more to do as far as, like, excursions. Downside is mosquitoes and sweat so take your pick we're really selling this park aren't we (laughs) it's
1: beautiful it was made for you and me
0: (laughs) um all right human history after the spanish settled florida uh slavery capture warfare and disease decimated the native calusa people and the few that managed to survive formed the Seminole nation and they lived in what is today big cypress national preserve and they lived mostly in isolation until the 1920s at that time, new roads bisected the Everglades, introducing a steady traffic of white settlers into the Everglades. There was a population boom in southern Florida in the nineteen twenties, and it was like we just talked about. Uh, like, I don't we don't understand why, but it was a boom. Land was sold and developed so extremely fast, and no one considered the harm that it was causing to the environment. So long story short water that had been freely flowing up and down and across central and southern Florida for millions of years was now being controlled by dams and other methods and it was really screwing up the Everglades Uh, and it also caused chaos in the food webs. Floridians hoped to preserve at least part of the Everglades and began to express their concern over diminishing resources in the early 20th century, Um, and Royal Palm State Park was created in 1916, and it included several trails and visitor center and several miles uh, from Homestead, which I think is a town. But anyway, this was the beginning of realizing, oh, like... We're really messing up like some very fragile places, so maybe we should reconsider. We
1: moved here to be able to eat, now we can't eat. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so Miami-based naturalists first proposed that the area become a national park in 1923. Then five years later, the Florida State Legislature established the Tropical Everglades National Park Commission to study the formation of the protected area. And then the Great Depression happened, and there was no money for the federal government to make a park, even if they wanted to. Uh, So, the U.S. House of Representatives authorized the creation of the new National Park in 1934, but the Act, which permanently reserved lands donated by public or private donation as wilderness, passed with only the contingency uh, that no money would be allotted to the project for at least five years. Mm -hmm. Which I think is cool. The House of Representatives were like, we do think this is a good idea, We are broke AF right now. Hashtag Great Depression. So we still think this is great, but hold off on spending money. So I see where they're coming from. Mm. I like it. Yeah, yeah, not horrible. Okay, enter 1940s. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. She's going to have her own episode. I love this woman. So, just going to talk about her a little bit right now. So, she's a freelance writer and a former reporter for the Miami Herald. And she began to research the Everglades for an assignment about the Miami River. She studied the land and water for five years and published a book, The Everglades river of grass in 1947 describing the area in great detail including a chapter of its disappearance remember how we said there were almost 200 miles at one point and now everglades today is only 20 percent of that so she was describing how we were messing it up so she founded and served as president for an, an organization called friends of the everglades it initially was created just to protest the construction of a proposed jet port 1968, and they won. This success of that confrontation grew the organization from about 500 members to about 5,000 members today, and they are committed to the preservation of the Everglades. Marjorie wrote and spoke about the importance of the Everglades until her death at age 108 in
1: 1998. 108?
0: Get it, girl. She lived a long life, and she was active. And, pa- and passionate about the Everglades and That's literally amazing. until the day she died. I'm so happy for So her. we will learn more about Marjorie later. Um, so Everglades National Park was dedicated by President Harry Truman in December of 1947, one month after Marjorie Stoneman Douglas's book, The Everglades River of Grass. All right. President George H.W. Bush signed the Everglades National Park Protection and Expansion Act in 1989 that added 171 square miles to the eastern side of the park. It also closed the park to airboats. It directed the Department of the Army to restore water to improve the ecosystems within Everglades National Park, and it directed the Secretary of the Interior to manage the park in order to maintain the natural abundance, the diversity, and the ecological integrity of Native plants and animals, as well as the behavior of native animals as part of the ecosystem. That was the longest sentence I've ever read in my life, but thanks, George H.W. Bush. Woot woot. That was great. And then again, in 2000, Congress approved the Comprehensive Everglades Restoration Plan, which is a federal effort to restore the Everglades with the objectives of restoration, preservation, and protection of the South Florida ecosystem while providing other while providing for other water related needs in the region like we said all about water um, and this plan it claims to be the largest environmental restoration plan in history but it's a controversial plan um, because people worry that it relies on uncertain technologies and overlooks water quality subsidies Um, I don't know what that means. I just did air quotes right now because, like, I didn't really look into that, but it sounds, like, cheap to me. Um, But supporters of the plan include the National Audubon Society, who were accused by Friends of the Everglades and the Biodiversity Legal Foundation of Prioritizing Agricultural and Business Interests. Since
1: when have the bird people ever done that? I've... I don't know. But, I mean, I don't know anything about that particular area, but they should care for it as much as possible.
0: Agreed. I mean, there are, like, it's it's not really up for debate, like, how modern-day development yeah. is, like, messing it up. So, mm, That's weird. True, but that's all I got.
1: That's it?
0: Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, the rest is going to be the cat show, because this place has it going on. When it comes to plants and animals and ecosystems. Well,
1: I'll try. I'll try to wrap it up kind of short. Oh, because not short, <laughs> but like I don't like. If you like this area, there's so much
0: I could probably so talk for a week. I mean, we. will We'll probably have like a solid five Instagram posts just on this place. Yeah. For. For all the animals they have and everything. that are in here, they have everything. I don't understand. Whatever. We're gonna take a b- quick break. We'll be back, and we'll do our best to explain how insane this place is. Bye. See you soon. And we're back. And we're back. That was loud. I might have to edit that, but I love the enthusiasm.
1: And we're back. And we're back. And
0: we're back. And we're back, cat. We're, back. Kat, we're like, in Florida. Let's go, girl. Oh, girl. This is about to be off the Florida. I mean, you're really hyping this up. (laughs) But I hope so. Uh, I hope it is. I mean, it's just like... What? Like, there are bobcats and crocodiles and manatees and flamingos in the same... What?
1: All in the same place. That's nutballs. Yes. So I will start this off by saying you should look up the list of animals because there's... Fast. Even if I sat here and just said them, it would take forever. So that's up to you. I just picked some of my favorites out of here. Um, but to begin with, we need to talk a little bit about ecosystem, often described as a wetland or swamp. The Everglades is actually a very slow moving river, which I think that yeah. y- you've said it, but like it's hard to like comprehend that. You very know what I mean? Moving. right? Yeah. So this um, the location where it is in Florida is between two different climates. So zones or whatever, Uh climate zones. So we're actually able to enjoy nine different ecosystems that range from temperate to tropical, which you mentioned that this is kind of in between those. Yeah. And I'm just going to name all of them from driest to wettest. Oh, great order. (laughs) Very quickly. um, Because I think it's important to... Because as Nick mentioned, if you look up any picture of the Everglades, you're probably going to get... Grasslands. But there are somewhat other ones, but not really. So, starting with the hardwood hammock, which I think is the most shocking, is the highest elevation and it's almost like a jungle. Yeah. Like lots of trees, big leaves, that whole situation. Then coming down to a less dry area a more wet less dry (laughs) are the pinelands and they have one of the most endangered plant communities and most of them are built most of these trees um land on rocks like they don't need soil they Uh just need rocks and they're dependent on fire like most pines so that's a whole situation then we go down to the fresh water marl prairie it has a few trees lots of grass go Mm. figure then the freshwater slough it's a wet prairie there's the cypress which obviously has cypress trees (laughs) and they're unique because they typically live in standing water water or areas that flood often Then we go to the coastal lowland, also known as a coastal prairie, because it's actually located between that muddy and dry land, and it floods infrequently, but it does flood, so it has some of those characteristics, including a salt buildup. So only animals and plants that can tolerate salt can live there. And then the mangrove, which is probably the most notable ecosystem or the one that everyone knows about in the Everglades. Would you agree with that? I'd say so. I also thought uh, mangrove was just one tree, but it's actually a collection of trees that can all handle the saltwater. And according to the National Park Service, mangrove habitat serves as a valuable nursery for a variety of recreationally and commercially important marine species. During the dry months, waiting birds congregate here to feed and nest and during the summer months these mangrove i like saying it like that i don't care how mangrove. it's mangrove forests provide the first line of defense against howling winds and storm surge of hurricanes and then our last most wettest of the ecosystems is the marine or estuarine um Makes basically sense. the stuff underwater yeah so there are there is a variety but the largest portion are those kind of grassy areas. So these habitats host a variety of plants and animals and some are endemic or only found in the Everglades and some are actually, a lot are legally protected. It's talked about a lot yeah. how many threatened and endangered great. species are. Yeah. Um, and so we have a variety of ecosystems. We have basically a collision of two different climates. So it does basically create the perfect um terrarium of like a place to yeah. be you know like um there's just so so much there the various sources of water both salt and fresh various soil types and disturbances both natural and man-made have influenced the plant communities of the everglades 162 plant species have been identified in the park 47 of those are threatened and 113 are endangered
0: yeah. Now who's the downer?
1: I know. <laughs> First, we're going to talk about a plant that I think intrigues most people. The scientific name is the bromeliads.
0: Bromeliads. Bromeliads. That's what it is. Yay. And I have one of those. You do. It's just like a house plant.
1: But did you well, know it was a bromeliad? A yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. It's just a term that I hadn't picked up on. Um, I don't know. I think it's because I've had to Google it so many times how to take care <laughs> of it. Yeah.
1: Well, and I've heard of these being really ginormous in Florida, and, uh, like, apparently it's because it's supposed to be there. Okay. Um, so we're going to talk specifically about the genus Telangia.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm otherwise known as air plants. All these listeners are like, oh my gosh, just call it what we know it as. Right. (laughs) Air plants. But I have to try. Yeah, no, yeah. Respect the name, girl.
1: Yep. According to the National Park Service, all bromeliads are in the pineapple family, which includes both epiphytes, we'll talk about in a moment, and cardinal air plants and terrestrial species that take root in the ground so basically like if you don't know what an airplane is imagine the top of a pineapple cut it off and it just exists somewhere (laughs) whether it's in the air on the ground like it just it happens and they have like a few that look slightly different but the one we're talking about right now just looks like the top of a pineapple cool am i right yeah no
0: you're right absolutely
1: um So they don't need the soil to survive. They absorb water and nutrients directly through their leaves. Um, The air plant that everyone has hanging in their terrarium actually holds water um, in nature. So, like, the bottom of it will hold water. And it's almost like um, a pitcher plant where... Animals will try to get into it, but they can actually get out. So they'll get in, like insects, little frogs, even like snakes will get into it and like drink water and then get oh. boogie on out of there.
0: Right. Take a drink and leave.
1: So it's almost like its own little ecosystem. Exciting? Super. Yes. So next, we're going to move on to a much more complex orchids. Orchids. Another fan favorite of anyone with eyes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'd agree.
1: If you don't know what an orchid looks like, then I can't help you. They tend to have some resemblance, with a big lower petal and other petals that uh, look like decoration, but overall they're all very different in color, size, and dimension. But they are all over the Everglades, everywhere. Um, and like in a good way, but also like in a sad way. So the National Park Service boasts orchid diversity in the Everglades is the highest of any national park uh, unit in the continental United States. Some of the orchids growing in the Everglades are at their most northern limit, and some are at their most southern limit. So does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Going back to the idea that this climate and temperature really is the collision of two different places. And one thing I didn't know before I did this research is that different species of orchids grow in different ways. Some grow in the ground. And some grow in trees, kind of like the air plants.
0: Oh, I did not know. That's very fern gully of them.
1: Yeah. So they they can absorb water through and nutrients through the air, but unlike the air plants that use their leaves, the orchids have aerial roots. So there's like thick roots that start like coming out sometimes oh. of like people's home orchids. Oh. Those are trying to absorb nutrients and water from the air. Get it. Tree orchids can be called epiphytes, meaning that they grow on a plant, but they don't damage the plant that they're growing on. Oh, I love that. So I can, like, in my brain, I'm just imagining this place with, like, lots of grass and then, like, the most exciting plants ever, yeah. just everywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm also picturing, like, big, massive trees. hmm And that's not, like, what first comes up whenever you Google it. Nope, But, I mean, obviously, like, I even just said, like, that some of the boardwalks, like, take you deep into, like, big forested areas. So there's just, like, you you don't know what to expect here. You you can get it all. So the
1: tree world and the Everglades is absolutely ridiculous. So they're not, like big in how much space they take up but there's a lot of different kinds yeah um they actually have a whole web page with just pictures of the bark <laughs> um, on Exciting. the national park service yeah from the strangler fig that grows on other trees and eventually takes them over to the poison wood whose beautifully beautifully colored bark has similar properties to poison oak these trees seem wilder than most But I don't think that I could choose any of those because I think that you cannot talk about the Everglades
0: without discussing the mangroves. You really can't. I'm glad you're talking about the mangroves, 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 because these things are really cool. Okay,
1: so I pulled um, this information from the Florida Keys National Marine Sanctuary website. Sorry, I had to scroll a little bit. Um, there are 80 different species of mongrove trees. All of these trees grow in an area with low oxygen soil where slow moving waters allow fine sediments to accumulate. Mongrove forests only grow at tropical and subtropical latitudes near the equator because they cannot withstand freezing temperatures
0: neither can i i feel you right
1: <laughs> mongrove forests stabilize the coastline reducing erosion from storm surges currents waves and tides the intricate root system of the mongrove also makes these forests attractive to fishes and other organisms seeking food and shelter from predators So once again, if you haven't seen this, you probably need to look it up, but there are so many roots and they're just like in, in the water, all
0: up in each other.
1: So they basically form like their own little ecosystem for like fish to hide from predators or like things to grow on them and stuff like that. But they're, I mean, it's super unique. Yeah. It's like an underwater jungle kind of. And it looks from the top, almost like they're like legs. Like they could start crawling like a spider or something. You're right. Mangrove line more than 1800 miles of shoreline within Florida Keys National Marine Sanctuary. So they're really cool, they're really important. Um, so as you probably knew or assumed by this point, the Everglades are also full of wildlife, full of it, just splishing and splashing all in that water. Like what? Um, well, first I want to mention that everything I talk about today should terrify you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, the um the Everglades are like the Australia yeah. of the continental United States.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I decided on that early on so I did pick 3 things that scare me. Okay. Um, oh, the first cool. <laughs> is the Florida panther because I didn't realize we had panthers. Yeah. And there's good reason for that. There are at most 160 Florida panthers left in the wild. So while the Everglades is one of the species favor- is one of these species favorite habitats, you'd be extremely lucky to come across one. Mm-hmm. And they don't look like Panthers, the way I see it from, like, the Jungle Book, they look – they're blonde. Yeah. And like mountain lions. They look like mountain lions. Yeah. And um, there was this whole thing about how they used to mate with different big cat species, and that helped their genetics and things like that. And now that their population's dwindling, they've become further and further from the Texas populations and stuff like that, so they became, like, really – Fragile is not the word I'm thinking of, but like easily can pick up diseases and things Uh, like that. So, anyway, not only did we shoot all of them, of course we did, and try to take all of their land, we also made it so that they were just incestual and it was really bad so once common throughout the southeastern United States fewer than a hundred <laughs> <laughs> Panthers
0: so <laughs> jarring that's the, we just have to do that sometimes sometimes we just have to drop a bomb let our listeners take it and then move on like <laughs> sorry you guys if we're a downer sometimes but we're here that's to what this is about it's it really not like is.
1: anyone was like oh this is pristine land that people are taking care of let's put a national park on that yeah no it's we
0: needed it. full of mosquitoes and they're like oh while we're here let's kill all these panthers like these really awesome anyway sorry for we saying cat
1: the current range of the florida panther is less than five percent of their original range and Florida panthers were heavily hunted after 1832 when a bounty on panthers was created. Oh,
0: stupid. <laughs> yeah, So stupid.
1: Because they were hunting livestock, and of course we couldn't have that. Today, the primary threats to the remaining panther populations are habitat loss, fragmentation, and degradation, like I just said. Urban mm. sprawl, problem everywhere. Loss of farmland to commercial development, problem everywhere. Yeah. Mortalities from collisions with automobiles, Probably not a problem everywhere, but <laughs> anywho, like most animals, Florida panthers need food, water, shelter, and access to mates to survive. And panthers are strictly carnivores and only eat meat. About ninety percent of their diet is feral hog, white-tailed deer, raccoon, and armadillo. Occasionally, they consume rabbits, rats, and birds, and occasionally even
0: alligators. Also, I didn't know they were armadillo. Armadillo. I didn't know they were. Armadillo you know we here. have those here.
1: Yeah. Oh, every no, once in a while, there's an armadillo. Wow. They're pretty much like um, reptile
0: rats. Yeah. That's <laughs> a great way to put it. <laughs> oh, um, crazy. This place has everything.
1: Yes. Although the Long Pine Key area with the park provides up dry upland habitat, hogs are scarce in the park and deer are limited to dry Or low water leveled areas. So a panther has to kill and eat about 10 raccoons to equal the food value of one deer. Wow. To maintain their health and fitness, adult panthers need to consume the equivalent of one deer or one hog a week. Shoot. Sucks. Yeah. They're so pretty, too. They're
0: beautiful.
1: We should start, or we should jump on the bandwagon to save the panthers. I'm down. That's a wagon I can jump on. So the next aminal is probably the least shocking out of all of
0: these that I'm going to go over. No, you have to. I'd be really mad if you didn't do this one.
1: So, this is the only place in the world where the American alligators and the American crocodiles coexist in the wild, Mm -hmm. which is wild. Wow. Can you imagine an alligator and a crocodile fighting?
0: Mm -hmm. Who would win? I've seen the um godzilla movie so i think i kind of can't imagine it
1: is that relevant yeah (laughs) okay a crocodile and an alligator fought
0: well not specifically that but oh my gosh cat you're so uncultured i know i know okay (laughs)
1: okay the american alligator ranges throughout the southern united states and alligators within the everglades national park exist at the southern extreme of their range Alligators primarily inhabit freshwater swamps and marshes and can also be found in rivers, lakes, and small bodies of water. They can tolerate a reasonable degree of salinity for short periods of time and are occasionally found in brackish water, meaning it's like a mix between um, freshwater and salt water. Mm. around mangrove swamps, even though they lack the salt-secreting glands present in crocodiles. Dens are burrowed out and used for shelter when temper- winter temperatures fall, or more commonly in the Everglades when the conditions are very dry. Even outside their dens, they can tolerate limited periods of freezing conditions. And during the winter dry season, they modify their habitat by excavating alligator holes, which also provide a refuge for other animals during the dry periods.
0: Cool.
1: Reduce for use. you? can you see the picture of the baby alligator yes. on here? Yes. They are so sweet when they're little babies. My mom actually had a baby out here. I was about to say, even as
0: babies, they still look like they want to kill me. They do. I mean, anything. So do you know the reason why we think small things are cute? No. It's their head to body proportion. That's why we think puppies and kittens and babies and... Polar bear, Like, that's why we think all thing babies are cute. So, like everything else, this baby alligator does have a larger head proportion to its body. So, in that aspect, it's cute. But then you look into its eyes and you're like, oh, never mind.
1: It <laughs> has the eyes terrifying. of my chicken. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah, like, just crazed. Like, what are you looking at? Like, yeah. just ready to go for it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Adult male alligators occasionally reach... 15 feet in length. Maximum length for females is probably about 10 feet. Both sexes tend to be smaller in South Florida. Who knows why? Maybe. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> the snout of an alligator is characteristically broad, although the shape can vary slightly among populations and individuals. The bright yellow crossbands that juvenile alligators sport, which Kind of makes them cuter too because they have Mm -hmm. the color against a black background, provide effective camouflage. The yellow banding fades away as the juveniles mature, and juveniles eat a wide variety of small invertebrates, particularly insects, as well as small fish and toads. Of course, the adult diet is basically anything in its way. Right. I mean, don't get in an alligator's way. Don't get in
0: its way. They probably
1: prefer like a small mammal, but like they'll eat you.
0: They, they'll, they, yeah. They will and they have. Yes. All right. So alligators are a really important
1: part of the Everglades ecosystem, and they are considered a keystone species. Do you remember what keystone
0: species? Keystone is if they were to disappear, the whole place would just go haywire. Yep.
1: Exactatory.
0: Nice. I'm listening. I
1: appreciate you. The nesting activities of a female alligator is important to the creation of peat. Several turtle species, such as the Florida red-bellied turtle, incubate their eggs inside both active and old abandoned alligator nests. Water remains in the alligator's holes throughout the year except during the severe drought conditions. As the dry season approaches and water dries up from other areas within the Everglades, the retained water causes alligator holes to become a refuge for a variety of wildlife. Although these animals become easy prey for alligators and other predators such as wading birds, the value of the refuge outweighs the risk. Human conflicts with alligators are rare and generally not serious. Don't listen to them. It's very serious. <laughs> Education and awareness is the best long-term way to avoid future incidents. Most alligator attacks on humans are attributed to the illegal feeding of alligators, which makes them bolder, less wary of humans, and more likely to attack instead of flee. It is illegal to feed or provoke alligators, as well as all other wildlife, in all of the national parks. Yeah. Don't stick to it. Don't feed the bears. No. Did you see that someone just got arrested oh. for feeding bears? No, but I'm not In glad North they Carolina? No. And they might face jail time.
0: Really? hmm I mean, what's the point? Why are you doing that?
1: I don't know, but don't feed the alligators for sure. You're not the alligator hunter. Mm-mm. We know what happened to Steve, R. I. P. But, but like that wasn't an alligator. That was crocodile, I get it. But no, it like, wasn't. I know, but he was the crocodile hunter. And it was a stingray.
0: Okay. I was like, whoa, what is but going still, on But still, like, <laughs> okay, that yeah, was, like, that a happened, lot for that people happened to, like... that happened to him, yeah. and he knew what he was doing. Exactly. So you all just Google it. Or get some binoculars.
1: Go to, like, one of those... I'm sh- Well, anyway, long story short, just don't mess with the aminals. that a cra-
0: crazy little turn of explanations that we had just now. I was (laughs) really worried for you for a minute. I was like, she does not know who Crocodile Dundee is. Like, what? Well, I'm
1: talking about Steve Irwin. Is that not Crocodile
0: Dundee? No. Do I not know who Crocodile Dundee is? Yeah, you're very
1: uncultured as well. Whoa. Crocodile Dundee is the one that's like, that's a big knife.
0: Something like that. Oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> He's like a fictional character. Oh, you're right. Gosh, we're both idiots. Not Pretty Not me, because you know what you were talking about. You just, like, said it very wrong. I thought I knew what I was talking about, and I'm just stupid. Anyway.
1: <laughs> okay. Last but not least, another thing that's really gross and creepy, and, like, I guess not all those were gross and creepy, but something you should look out for and probably don't think about it centipedes
0: yeah let's breeze through this because it's very
1: short centipedes are long thin arthropods yeah i said it (laughs) with one pair of legs per body segment despite centi in their name which implies a hundred legs centipedes can have fewer than 20 legs or more than 300 but they always have an odd number of pairs sick just weird just strange Centipedes also have a pair of venom claws, which are a modification of the first appendage, the first little set of, you know, feet. Lacking the waxy cuticle of insects and arachnids, spiders, (laughs) centipedes lose body moisture rapidly and therefore reside in moist microhabitats such as soil and leaf litter, under stones, in dead wood, inside rotting logs. Although centipedes are present in the Everglades, they are not commonly seen because they are mostly nocturnal. And many species don't even have eyes. And they oh. are capable of discerning light and dark, but that's pretty much it. Wow. Um, so centipedes can bite and they have like it's painful and it's not fun i did not know that right so you gotta like it's just like the scorpion situation you gotta check your shoes because they want that moist little micro habitat all up in there wow yeah world i guess but so i miss like beautiful birds that turn pink because of what they eat and Mm. like you know, um, well, well I'll talk it. a little bit about manatees and things like that. But yeah, there's a lot of animals. There's some really beautiful ones, some really scary ones. I really enjoyed learning about the plants because I think that it had a lot more variety than I expected. Way
0: variety. But
1: um, yeah, that's it
0: for me. Okay. Do you have any fun facts? I do. All right. Me too. Everglades receives an average of 60 inches of rain per year. To put that in perspective, Seattle, Washington, receives a little more than half of that annual amount. That's supposed to rain.
1: A lot of rain?
0: A lot of rain. I don't
1: know what kind of accent that was. That's fine. So my fun fact, I just pulled out of my brain recently, like during this conversation. (laughs) 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 Manatees were mistaken as mermaids back in the day uh-huh. and um yeah i guess like a bunch of sailors were just like chilling seeing some manatees being like oh i hope that's a lady I in hope the that's water
0: you've said also said that before i think but I it's, it's worth before. repeating yeah because that's so weird and so funny um because like of what we like society and history has turned mermaids into like mm-hmm. these like beautiful creatures with like great bodies and also like the upper body of a woman and it's like and you see manatee and it's like what that's how I started that's how it started. funny. Um, invasive species are threatening in the Everglades ecosystem. Far from their native homelands, invasive species like the Burmese python have dominated headlines in recent years. While eradication measures are continually being pursued, detection rates and lack of natural predators give these pythons an advantage over native species in the Everglades. So they come in, and they're scary. like, no competition. Let me get everything. Yeah. Pythons. It's not good. What? Why are they there? I don't know. Who? Yeah, don't leave the boardwalk, you guys. Yeah. Yuck. You can, like, rent kayaks and um, canoes here. And, like, while I'm one for adventure and I'm all for, you know, just doing it big when traveling, this is one place that I'd be like, I'm just going to go for a walk. <laughs> that's just me
1: i'm not getting in
0: the water yeah i do what you want to do
1: okay pick a number one through three three the average depth is only four to five feet and the deepest point is only nine feet wow
0: yeah it's just one massive shallow slow river yeah that i can like
1: stand in and still like i could like hold my nose up yeah
0: (laughs) crazy uh, my last one is one out of every three Floridians relies on the Everglades for their drinking water supply.
1: I am going to skip the one I really want to do because it has a pronunciation issue in it. Yeah, <laughs> So we've mentioned this several times, but this is a f- good part of this. So mosquitoes are everywhere. Everywhere. There are 68 different varieties of mosquito living in the Everglades. And thankfully, most of these varieties aren't interested in humans. Yeah. They'd rather suck the blood of an alligator or crocodile it's probably a good idea to bring bug spray anyway. That's disgusting.
0: It's so gross. Uh, mosquitoes are are like, I hate them. I hate them. One of their only purposes is to be bat food. Well, th- th- exactly. Like, most things, like, you know, have a purpose. And you're like, oh, even if I hate, like, I don't like spiders. But spiders, spiders are like, you know, they are important in the what do I call it chamber of commerce the circle of life but when it comes to mosquitoes it's like your only purpose is to be eaten by other things but like I hate you and why do you carry so many
1: diseases yeah disgusting
0: anyway I'm I'm done talking about I'm not even going to give mosquitoes another ounce of attention anyway cat just an ounce blood do you have any questions Comments, thoughts, philosophies, intuitions, or ambiguities. It has been so long. I forgot that we did this. I forgot this
1: is a thing that we do. Yeah, it is. Um And if you I, don't, that's fine. I feel like I need to come up with one. Oh. I would say that be really kind to your service staff right now because when I traveled across the country, everyone was super stressed out mm. and like felt like they were doing a bad job and it's not that serious. Just wait for your coffee and be nice to people and yeah. tip them well. And if you can tip more because you didn't lose your job during the pandemic, find find a way to tip more.
0: Right. Anyway. And if you argue me, that person who is so... Butthurt, yeah i said it Butthurt about <laughs> waiting a little bit longer than normal on your food then just make something at home
1: yeah stay home yeah
0: no, no one asked you to go out to eat good thought i appreciate that mm-hmm. um well if you liked this episode on everglades national park even just a little bit you should share it with a friend don't be greedy send a text to a link of the spotify or apple podcast or wherever else you get this podcast and send it to a friend and say yo You look really good whenever you are super sweaty and soggy walking through a mangrove forest. Mm. Let's go to Everglades Mm. sometime. So share this or any other episodes on America's National Parks and make sure they know about Made for You and Me. Follow
1: us on the Instagrams at MFYAMpodcast to stay up to date on all of our episodes. And see photos of the amazing places we talk about in each episode. Thanks for listening. You'll hear from us soon. You're beautiful. Bye.